Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Cool Zone Pod, sponsored by Mouth and Off Sports. Big news as we broke earlier in the week on Twitter, our podcast will now all be streaming on Spotify. I know Spotify is my preferred way to listen to music and podcasts, so go follow us on Spotify, like us, be sure to also subscribe on iTunes as well, if that's where you go uh, to listen to your podcasts. Uh, be sure to keep up with all of our other podcasts under that Mouth and Off Sports umbrella, such as Fixin' to Talk Sports with Ryan Brown. And also, I mean, we keep mentioning the Foxborough Files. Today is Monday, February 22nd. We're coming up on, uh, this is our fifth edition of The Cool Zone without a, uh, a release of the Foxborough Files. So we might have to take over their content forum. Who knows? Uh, but nonetheless, this week we have... Dan Sadik sitting in the producer's seat on Zoom. Uh, thank you for joining us, of course, Dan. And also, um, we have Ryan Brown, the host of Fix and Talk Sports, who has flown back in from Arkansas to visit for the past few days. He will be here live in studio to join us a little later on in the episode. But he will join us to talk all things NBA and Celtics. So with that being said... Let's get into some headlines for the past week in the NBA. So, the most recent news, the most recent thing that is on everybody's mind, running from players and all the way through sports media members' minds, is what is happening over with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, they fired their coach, Ryan Saunders, and immediately hired well, assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors, Chris Finch. And so he will now take over that position. The Timberwolves, as we know, are a bum franchise right now playing some hard basketball. Of course, they've had some things like COVID and injuries really taking it to them. Carl Anthony Towns had COVID. He was out a while. D'Angelo Russell is, I believe, hurt right now. So their top two players have really been struggling. And uh, I, although it is giving Anthony Edwards some time to shine... Their record still sits at the very bottom of the league. I think they have something like seven wins on the year and 20 losses, if not more. So they are projected to get that first overall pick, although it's actually, they don't even have it, right? Didn't they trade that away to the Warriors? Mm, yes. I, be right. I believe that's right. So It might be protected, though. It could be, but I think it... I think it does turn over. I don't think it's top five protected. I, I could have sworn I saw a mock. But regardless, they are sucking. And uh, they're going to try and turn things around. The real problem with the, the coaching, or not problem, some people have a problem with it. Uh, the more interesting thing with this decision is how fast it was done. Normally when you are dismissing a head coach of his duties, there is a process, a hiring process, in which you select multiple candidates uh, in, you put them into a pool and you bring them in for meetings and the whole shebang and then you make your choice. And it's usually over the span of, I mean, 
it, well, it normally happens in the off season, and when you have that too, when you have in season firing, normally an assistant uh, coach will be promoted to interim head coach, and then come the off season, they'll either say they're going to move on from, or they'll include the interim coach in potential candidates. It's mm-hmm. very rare that you'll see what happened here, where uh, this guy's hired. <laughs> And he's not interim coach. He's hired from outside the organization, and he's there to stay for potentially years to come. Depending on how well he does, of course. Uh, That seems to be the kind of moniker that's being set um, for the Timberwolves. You do good, you stay. You don't do good, you're going to be out. So it looks like they're not going to be putting up with losing and bad performances or what they deem to be underwhelming. Um so this was a bit shocking in the sense that, I mean, it happened literally in the span of a day. And I guess uh, on the jump, they were talking about how this hasn't happened in 12 years. Uh, I didn't catch if they mentioned who it was, but 12 years it's been since a coaching process and a firing and a rehiring or whatnot has taken that long or that, you know, that short of amount of time to happen. So definitely caught the NBA world uh surprise today um some people were a little upset about the idea of diversity in coaches in the league you know we have a league that is pretty much the players of course mainly african-american and the amount of african-american head coaches in the league is not the same percentage amount so a lot of people were really upset because the assistant coach of the 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 minnesota timberwolves is uh what's vanderbilt is it dave vanderbilt Mm. I forget his first name. It's, it's Vanderbilt. I know that's his last name. It might be Jared or something. Um, but he, he is an African-American head, uh, assistant coach. And you would like to think in a like during the season firing of a head coach that they would, like Jonathan said, go right to an assistant, keep it internal. But they said today that they were really looking for experience in their replacement. So it sounds like they knew they were going to be moving on from Saunders a little earlier on than anybody else was aware of, so that they were already inquiring on where they were going to go. They said that they looked internally, but they felt that it wasn't the right fit. They wanted some experience under the belt, and they felt like in their situation, they needed to be bold. And certainly with this move, it was bold. So we'll have to wait and see how that works out for the Timberwolves. Also, earlier in last week's uh, news, Draymond Green spoke a little bit about everything going on with guys like Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. We talked about it a little last week, but I believe we might have missed or it might have just happened later in the week where Draymond spoke of this. Uh, The interesting note about how the Cavaliers are choosing to sit Andre Drummond until they find a trade partner for him, but they're expecting him to stay in shape. And the players seem to be a little upset that they were, you know, being told, oh, you're not going to play, but that they were being told to make sure that they are working out and keeping themselves in shape, which is an interesting thing uh, in of itself. So what did you think about that, Jonathan? Did you think anything of it? Did you think it was all just kind the, of smoke and mirrors? The complaining about needing to stay in shape because you're not playing, I think is the, the players in the NBA by far have the most freedom and it's the most progressive players league. Mm-hmm. But to say that it's crazy that you have to stay in shape because the team won't play you is a little extreme. 
Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I mean, you're a professional athlete. You get paid. I mean, I hate to be the, you get paid millions of dollars, but you do get paid millions of dollars. One of the things that comes with being a professional athlete is simply staying in shape, mm-hmm. eating healthy, and working out all the time. I really don't think it's that hard. I mean, these guys have so much money, they can hire personal chefs, they can buy whatever food they want, they can buy whatever free weights they want. I really don't think staying in shape is that big of an ask uh, for a professional athlete. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, the only thing that I dislike is that they're not playing him, and you know he is on my fantasy team. Maybe I have a bias in that, but... Uh, I mean, I, I understand, like... Like, it's frustrating. It, but I also understand where the organization is coming from in not <laughs> playing him means that he can't get... He won't get hurt, mm. which is what they're trying to do to protect themselves. Yeah, I think the, the intention from that perspective is pure, but as a player, I'm, I'm sure anybody, if they were to put themselves in their shoes, would be a little ticked off. So, some players obviously sounded off in support of Andre Drummond either, you know, not being forced or, you know, you put quote-unquote on forced because, again, it, like we said, not that big of an ask to ask a professional athlete who's been doing this for a long time to keep himself ready to go no matter what happens. But Cavs seem to be taking their sweet time mulling all offers and options for Andre Drummond as they still have another month to figure it out. So, I mean, if they take it down to the last minute, that could be over a month of Andre Drummond not having any basketball games under his belt which is why I think doing this so early on was a bit extreme. I would say maybe two weeks before the deadline, I wouldn't have been, uh, I don't, I wouldn't have probably bat an eye at it. But a month and plus before the deadline is really what struck me on yeah. this one. Yeah, I mean, you don't know though to play devil's advocate. You don't know if the organization thought they had a trade lined up, or and maybe it fell through. Maybe it fell through, something yep. like that. You know, you never know. There's two sides to every story. That's true. And speaking of Draymond Green, more Draymond Green news. The Warriors and Hornets going at it the other night in Charlotte, and Terry Rozier really balled out in this game. But before that could even happen, Draymond, well, to be fair, Rozier had a great game uh, outside of the very end of it, but the very end is where he shined. Looked like there was a loose ball, and Draymond Green and I believe it was Gordon Hayward were tied up. And they gave a timeout to Charlotte where they felt like the jump ball was there and the possession was tied up. And it wasn't solely Charlotte's ball. They awarded them the timeout, and Draymond Green lost his cool, got himself two techs, and ejected from the game, which gave the Hornets two free throws, which I believe tied the game. And then Terry Rozier would later go on, a few possessions later, to hit a step-back jumper to win the game for Charlotte. And I gotta say, the broadcasters, the commentators for Charlotte, uh, they are some of the best in the league i know we saw earlier on we never really talked about it because i think it happened before we started recording episodes but um i don't know if you remember that call where bismack biombo shot a three from like the corner and it hit like the backboard <laughs> the reaction from the uh from the commentating team was priceless they were having a good time with uh, it i believe uh del curry the father of mm. steph curry is the um correct color guy for the hornets you're correct, because earlier in this game, uh, they expected Curry to be on the floor, and he wasn't on the floor. And so Dell jokingly said, oh, I'll, you want me to send a text to his phone? And so now we know Curry is in illness right now. It does not sound to be COVID-related, but he is struggling with I it. think he was on the bench. I remember yeah. watching a video, and he was on the bench. I so think you're right. So I don't know how much of an illness and how much of 
I think he's expected to be back either their next game, which I think is tonight, or um, yeah, the following game after that. I honestly think Steph Curry has so much power in the Warriors organization that he can say, like, I, I've been... My back hurts because I'm carrying this team so hard and I need, like, a game or two <laughs> off, and they say, okay, Steph, sure thing. Mm, true. <laughs> well, speaking of carrying the team on his back, Curry has done enough carrying his team on his back to get himself into the All-Star Game. So let's look at who was voted in as the NBA All-Star Game starters. I believe this was decided by fan the fan vote. And so for the West, like we said, Curry is one of the guards. Doncic, Luka Doncic, will be the second guard in this game. Alongside them will be LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. Some people were upset with the pick of Luka Doncic, but again, this is a fan vote. Well, I want to correct you. It was, I'm fairly certain it's, a certain it is percentage. heavily fan. It's 50% fan, and then 25% media, 25% percent players, okay. or coaches. Yeah, I think that's what it was. All right, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because then the, yeah, 20, 50% uh, fan, 25% media, 25% players, and then I think it's the coaches that have the only say in the reserves. The reserves. Okay. Yeah, that, that that would sound about right. That way they're giving everybody a fair chance. The players could have a say in the reserves, but I'm not sure. Yeah. But regardless, people were uh some people were shocked and some people were upset that Damian Lillard uh was not included in this All-Star group. They felt like he was snubbed. Damian Lillard will surely make the team as a reserve. But We'll have to see if he can make it into the starters group next season and going forward. Over to the Eastern Conference, we have Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, Bradley Beal, Wizards, Kevin Durant, Brooklyn Nets. He's the captain of this team. Obviously, LeBron the captain. I feel like I didn't even need to say that. Followed by Giannis and Joel Embiid. So not really much of a surprise over in the Eastern Conference. We had some green teamers you know, saying that Jalen Brown got snubbed. And that Jason Tatum got snubbed. But uh, I don't think anybody realistically expected either of those guys to make it to the starting lineup. But I think fans and everybody else will probably expect both of those guys to make it to the reserves for the Eastern squad. So, with that being said, it is now that time of the episode where Ryan finally shows his face about 14 minutes late. Ryan, welcome to the in-studio pod into the cool zone for the first time. Thanks for having me on the cool zone. It's a little warm in here. I thought it'd be a little bit cooler, you know. Yeah, but... you crack the window if you want to get cool in here. Uh, Alright. Yeah, it's kind of just like an essence, if you know what I mean. It's not a little yeah, temperature yeah, thing. Yeah, I'll feel it eventually. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. So, we were just talking about the All-Star game and mm-hmm. the players that were named to the All-Star starting list for each mm-hmm. conference. So, obviously, Doncic, Curry, James, Jokic, Leonard, Irving, Beal, Durant, Giannis, and Embiid. Mm-hmm. Uh, any intriguing thoughts? Do you think anybody was snubbed? Did you think anybody, does, other than Lillard, I know we just mentioned that. Uh, what did you think of the guys that were named to the team and how it went down? I'm just happy for Bradley Beal, and I know that that's probably the biggest thing to come out of the starting lineup announcement for the East and the or the the starting five for each conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is several years in the making for Bradley Beal. He's been snubbed multiple years from the from the team in and itself, not just the starting lineup in the team. I'm not saying he should have been a starter in years past, but he should have been on the team. 
And for him to not only make the team, but be recognized as an all-star starter this year, uh, hats off to him. Well-deserved. And it's, it's about damn time people put some respect on his name. Uh, I know that he gets lost in the shuffle because he plays on a trash can team in a trash can sports city, but it is what it is. Uh, he's been putting up close to 30 a game for for the last couple of years. He's been pushing that 30 per game mark. Uh and I know he does it on a really bad team, and he's got all the shots in the world to work with, but he's been efficient with those shots in years past, and it's about damn time people finally respect him. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if we don't have any other thoughts regarding that, we can kind of move forward. I think uh, I'm not sure when the next uh, wave of votes come in for the reserves. I don't know what date officially they will come in on, but we will wait on those, and we will obviously be back here in the cool zone to let you all know what we think about all those decisions. I think when it comes to the All-Star game, the starters aren't really much of a surprise. I mean, uh, there's a couple people here and there that there are obviously are sometimes discussions about, oh, they deserved it, oh, they got snubbed. I think the reserves are where things are a little more interesting and really who they decide. I'm looking, obviously, for Zach Levine to, to make the All-Star game. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm campaigning myself for Shea Gillages-Alexander to make it in the West, but tough conferences. A lot of good players in the league. feel like that uh, goes without saying. But anyway, in other news, um, the Spurs have been really down and out. They've been down bad with COVID lately. They haven't played a game in almost a whole week. Uh, but they are back practicing, um, even with everything going on in Texas. Another reason why the Mavericks haven't played in a little while. Uh, with everything going on, with the cold weather that really swept Texas by storm, uh, they were not prepared at all for what hit them. But it looks like they are, you know, picking themselves up and getting back on their feet. So the Spurs will be back on the court soon. And I believe the Mavericks are actually playing tonight. Um, I don't think the game's in Texas, though. Uh, And also, Paul George in the game against the Nets, very close game that went down to the wire that ultimately the Nets won, was pulled with 2 minutes and 50 seconds left in the game because of a minutes restriction. Uh, yet he was in the game for already 33 minutes, and they pulled him at 250. Coach Tyron Luce said it was just kind of a matter of, you know, not wanting to push it too far. Uh, Ryan, you have an, a thought. Uh, Dallas is playing, and they are at home. Oh, they are at home. Okay. And they're winning by a lot. They're up 43-25 with five minutes to go in the second quarter. All right, well, they look to be excited to be back on the court hey, finally. So, so. come on second night back-to-back, though, like that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Um, so it was really interesting to see Paul George get pulled. What do you guys think of that? Did you think? Uh, do you think sometimes teams can take minutes restrictions a little too far in how they handle them, or do you think it's just this is a matter of a one-off kind of bad decision? I mean, I I think it's trending in the wrong direction. I think you're gonna see more of this going forward, guys. Teams, organizations are willing to sacrifice a loss in February or January or whenever so they can have their players healthy in May and June and July and for this for the sake of this year July and in June um, I don't think it's a one-off thing I would like to believe that going forward in this type of scenario again they would play Paul George but I think it's going in the wrong direction because I think that the analytics and the computers punch out that it's more beneficial for a player to sit 
in the regular season, even if you lose, to then for them potentially to get hurt and you to lose them for an extended period of time. Mm. I just feel like if you're playing, you've already played 32 minutes, you're really at the point of past, you're beyond a minutes restriction. Yeah, I I gotta say, I've never seen a minutes restriction that was past like 25 minutes in basketball. Typically when you get a minutes restriction, it's somewhere in the 20s. Yeah. Or maybe even less than 20. But yeah. usually if you're restricted to like the teens for minutes... You probably shouldn't be on the floor to begin with because you're not really anywhere up to speed conditioning-wise. Well, right, because most minutes restrictions usually just get handed to, like, starters and, like, the top-level players in the league who are coming yeah. back because if you're not, like, a starting player in the league or one of the top players yeah. in the league, you're generally only playing, like, 20 minutes as it is, so I think your body could probably yeah. handle that depending on the injury. So it, it really doesn't make any sense to get, you know, to shorten his minutes uh, by three minutes Especially at the end of a game, a big game, uh, and that they ended up losing. So I guess, I guess my point here is you've already played the man 32 minutes. Yep. Is three more minutes? Is two minutes and 50 seconds really going to put him over for his quote-unquote minutes restriction? Because I don't know what his minutes restriction was supposed to be, but clearly if he's playing over 30 minutes, he's not on in my opinion, he's really not on a minutes yeah. restriction. And even even going off that, if the last two minutes and 50 seconds of basketball in a game, if you're on a minutes restriction for conditioning purposes, the last two minutes and 50 seconds of a basketball game is going to have plenty of stoppages. <laughs> yeah. Timeouts, replays, etc. Especially There's in close games. plenty game. yeah. of time to catch your breath in you the last s- two minutes you, of a basketball game. You saw game. that in the Celtics game the other night against yeah. the Pelicans. That the was last absurd. minute of the game was... Replay review after replay review yeah. after replay. You're not running. There's no chance you're running up and down the court for three minutes in yeah. the last three minutes of a very close basketball game. Plus, the other thing is, they're the Clippers' next game is the Wizards. I think you can load manage against the Wizards. You've got a marquee matchup against what many believe to be the favorites in the East and the Brooklyn Nets, and you have an opportunity to win that game. In a marquee primetime national TV game, and you decide, uh, thirty-two minutes. I think we're gonna stop there. That just that just doesn't make any sense to me. I I if it were a blowout or one way or the other, sure, I get that. But it's a one possession game against one of the top teams in the other conference. What you could argue is potentially a NBA Finals preview uh, on a. I mean, on national TV, just I, it just doesn't make any sense. And to abide strictly by whatever minutes restriction they had, which must have been exactly 32 on the dot. Um, which is a strange number. Yeah, it, that just, that, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, I just, I'm not for it. Don't like it. Dislike it. Don't approve. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty universal feeling. And you could just hear it in Paul George's voice post-game that he was not a fan of that decision either. So, um, going with that, let's check in on the action over the span of the league. Mumble my words there. So, the Brooklyn Nets, as we said, they're the big talk. They've won six straight, seven of their last ten. They are surging up that conference over in the East. 
They are now a half game back of the 76ers, who have been in a bit of an average uh, stride. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Bucks also have tanked. They lost five previously. They obviously are on a two-game winning streak now, but before that had lost their previous five straight, leaving them in third place. And the Celtics just keep plummeting in these standings. They are all the way down to sixth now. They sit in an even 15-15, and 15, and we will definitely go way more deep into that conversation later. Uh, outside of that, the only real things that I'm noticing over in the East are that the Cavaliers just stink. They have lost 10 games in a row. Uh, that could be what, at the end of the season, we look to as the longest losing streak of the season. But, who knows? So, the Knicks and Hornets obviously rounding up the Eastern Conference playoff teams. And the Raptors jump the Celtics to take fifth. Pacers still sit at fourth. They are the team of mediocrity, as always. The Jazz still doing good things. They just lost one game uh, recently. But they are obviously nine of their last ten have been W's. And even though the Clippers dropped against the Nets, they have still been playing well as of late. So have the Lakers. Uh, the sac- poor Sacramento Kings just seem to not be able to get it together. They have lost seven in a, in a row. They have gone from a above 500 team to a below, a way below 500 team. They now find themselves looking to try and get a better pick in the next draft. And as we mentioned earlier, we talked about the Timberwolves and their coaching swap. Uh, 7-24 and 24 is the number that they sit at, at the very bottom of not only the Western Conference, but the entire league with only the Pistons at 8-22 close to them. So, the Suns still playing well. That team that I picked to win the Western Conference, probably not going to happen, but hey, they're only four and a half out. And other than that, everything else seems to be going normal. Uh, Most notably individually, let's talk a little bit about who has been balling over the past week since we last kept in touch. Over the last seven days, Jamal Murray has had himself a hot streak. He's averaging 35 points in his uh, per game in his past seven days. He dropped 50 against Cleveland on, I believe, uh, Friday, that is. Also, Jonas Valanciunas has found himself in quite the groove. He is averaging about 15 points and 11 rebounds per game in just 28 minutes per game over his last seven days. He is having himself quite the year so far. He's missed a little bit of time due to injury, but for the most part, he is playing very well this year. Carl Anthony Towns has been working himself back since injury, but has been balling as of late as well. He is averaging about 23 points and 11 boards a game, almost two blocks a game. He had uh, 27 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, yesterday against the Knicks and in addition to that Tobias Harris has also had some big games this week for the 76ers he had 36 points and 10 rebounds in a game against the Jazz last Monday uh, in that loss so anybody owning Tobias Harris in fantasy is definitely reaping all the benefits of that Mm -hmm. John Morant as well what a great week for John Moran. He's averaging 21 points, 6.5 boards, 7 assists. Very well-rounded game for John Morant. Looking at some of the good games he's had recently against New Orleans on Tuesday. He had 28 points, 7 boards. 
and eight assists, and he had a triple-double against the Oklahoma City Thunder the very next day. So John Morant is also finding himself some of his best basketball of the season. And shouts out to other guys like Kyle Anderson, Norman Powell, and even Robert Covington. Robert Covington, a guy has really figured it out as of late, doing some great work on the defensive side of the ball. He's had, uh, before they stepped onto the court tonight, he had three games in a row of at least four blocks in a game. He had six blocks against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So he's been figuring out everything else in his game. He's got about 10 points per game and nine rebounds per game in his past seven days. He's averaging 4.7 blocks, which is about ridiculous. So that'll obviously come down. But with that being said, that pretty much rounds up all the rest of the shoutouts I have for the week. So we can get into the real fun stuff and talk about our very hometown Boston Celtics. Though it doesn't feel like home anymore with the way that they are playing. We talked at the end of the show last week, as we always do, about what we really wanted to see from them when we were discussing it with producer DS. And basically, we wanted to see some wins. And we got some wins. The Celtics going 2-2 two and two over the four games since we last were in the cool zone. So... I guess what we'll, what we can do here is just initial thoughts and everything going on. I've been hearing rumblings from the three of you, including producer DS, that there are certain things that would like to be mentioned on this portion of the pod tonight. So by all means, start us off hot, either one of you. Most people have heard me speak on the Celtics for a while, and I'll have more to speak on, but no one's heard Ryan's thoughts on the Celtics on the cool zone yet, so... Ryan, you have the floor to make your point uh, first tonight. So, I guess my my thoughts on the Celtics at this point is I don't know what their identity is at this point in the season. Are they a team that is striving? Are they a team that is really striving to be a championship team? And... Or are they a team with a bunch of young guys, two of which happen to be borderline superstars, if not both superstars, that just aren't ready to be in that moment yet. And the 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 way they are playing of late makes me think that they've got two superstars, but a bunch of just young players that are just not ready for to compete for a championship. And I don't know if it's an identity thing. I don't know if it's a roster construction. I don't know if it could be coaching. I don't know what it is. But something is wrong. You can point to any which player you would like to, aside from Jalen and Jason. But I just... Something is off. They, they don't know how to finish games in the fourth quarter with leads. They just seem to always blow them and have to sort of either just just get the lead back at the last second or and just survive, or they just blow it completely and like they did against New Orleans, allowing the Pelicans to come back from 24 down to beat you. That's embarrassing. was the largest comeback in franchise history for the Pelicans, I believe. It was. And, that, and just the, the fact that this keeps happening over and over, where they build leads early on in games, sizable leads, mind you, 
only to throw them away late in games and ultimately lose majority of the time, I think that speaks to coaching. For the most part, yeah, you, you, you have to put some of that on the players, but I think if that keeps happening over and over again, you have to put that on the coaching and the fact that they're not making adjustments and they're, they're not adjusting to what is going on in the moment of the game. And because when you're up, when you're making, when, when everything is going well, everything's going well, you're clicking, there's no complaints all around. But when you're, when things aren't going well, when that ship is getting rocky, everyone wants to point the finger, everyone wants to deflect, and no one wants to take blame or try and stir the ship in the right direction. And right now, I just don't see anyone, I just, what I see is, when push comes to shove, everyone on the team wants to defer to either Tatum or Brown and stand out on the side and just let the Jays do their thing. And that's just not going to work. I'm sorry. What it's, it's, it's going to do is it's going to win you some games and it's going to lose you others because they can't go out there and play iso ball and shoot high percentages every time. And I think that speaks to them being 15 wins and 15 losses. It's worked 15 times, and it hasn't worked 15 times. It's just not the formula for success. And I just... And and, and then the rotations are also kind of weird in the sense that, on one hand, they look like they're trying to develop their young talent by putting giving them time. Although, for most of the season... That wasn't the case with uh, one Aaron Neesmith. Oh, you just triggered the Aaron Neesmith segment of the week. It's the... Oh, we got to get into it now. It's our you know, favorite. He actually had a decent week. You, you know what? We, we will, we'll have to check in and let's look I at these box Brad scores. Stevens is listening to the pod. Yeah, I would... Once we tell you these numbers, I think it'll be very indicative that Brad Stevens is a Cool Zone fan and a Cool Zone listener. So, without further ado, let's get into our favorite segment of the week. It's the Aaron Nesmith Box Score Weekly Review! Alright, our first stop is the game against the Denver Nuggets. The Celtics won this game by a score of 112-99. to They looked pretty good in this game. So, let's scroll down to that box score, and Aaron Neesmith, after last week, getting some big minutes and not really doing too much with them. Best shooting in a draft, impossible for him to get a shot. We'll definitely talk about that after the segment, but for now, let's look at the box score. We got 24 minutes in this game against the Nuggets, so that's... Half the game. That's pretty good. Exactly half the game. Technically played 10 seconds, so a little more than half the game. Okay, okay. Uh, But he shot 2 of 4 from the field, and as you probably could have guessed it, Two of four from three. All of his shots were three-pointers. So about 50% from three. Not bad. Not bad. You think a Stud. guy yeah. shoots 50% from three, maybe he gets some more shots. Maybe. Best shooting in the draft coming out of college. You're, you're damn right. Also, three of four from the line, so not great. But, I mean, it's only one miss, so you can't really be too, too upset about that. Four rebounds, so he's doing some work on the glass. Okay, you know, he's just outside the top five of all the players in rebounds. More rebounds than Javante Green and Peyton Pritchard. So that's a good sign, right? Right. That is a good sign. Uh, I would say so for sure. Uh, he even chipped in with a block, a big boy block. And I'm pretty sure this block, if I remember correctly, was such a foul. Oh, I think yes. it was on Gary yes, Harris. I do remember. It was on the layup. And yes, it was on Gary Harris. He slapped his all wrists. Oh, all, all wrists. wrists. 
and they gave him the block. But hey, we take those. Yeah. We he, take those. He's getting those veteran calls already. I mean, that's a sign of a su- a future superstar. I, I agree. think. So he finished with nine points in this game. So when you look at it all said and done, what do you think? What are you thinking of a grade here? What do you think about this game? I'll give him a, a B plus for that game. I was thinking around a B as well. So with that being said, we move on later into the week. We've got the Atlanta Hawks on deck here. They did not look good in this one, but they lost 122 to 114. Let's check in on our boy Aaron Neesmith again. 21 minutes in this game, okay, so I mean, just still under Still a half. solid rotational piece, mm-hmm. minutes-wise. Better than zero minutes for sure. Definitely. So he shoots one of two in this game, uh, 50% from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. Yeah, I believe that was actually an air ball. I do recall. I, I think you I think you are right on that one, my friend. Um also six rebounds in this game. Uh can you tell me can you guess actually how many players had more rebounds than Aaron Neesmith in this game? I will go with three. Two or three. That is wrong. There was one player oh, who had more rebounds than Aaron Neesmith, and his name is Tristan Thompson. That is I think you just said um, Clint Capella on the boards. Andre Drummond <laughs> on the boards when when we're talking about Aaron Neesmith here. I, I, the potential is there. Like Who if, knew? They it, said he was the best shooter in the draft. He might be the best, best rebounder in the, in the draft. draft. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yes. That's our new thing. He's th- playing yeah. for his rebound. Best rebound in the draft. Yeah. Who cares about points as long as he's boxing out fundamentals? Yes. yes. Who can argue? Tatum also had six rebounds, but I said who had more. So obviously I will still stand correct on that one um he also put in two assists so i mean hey two assists not bad one turnover so eh. and another big block in this game i don't remember which what what happened here i think it was a good block though um so he finished a plus two uh sadly highest on the team i believe in that game uh that is absolutely correct plus two beating out peyton pritchard with a plus one uh i mean just if you if we're gonna talk about Aaron Neesmith, we gotta talk about his plus minus. If we're gonna talk about his plus niece, uh, his plus minus, <laughs> his when plus it's, when it's bad, he had plus we, twenty against the Nuggets. That was also the about, highest. We need to talk about his plus minus when it's good because we we're consistent. We're, on this yes, if nothing, we are consistent. Correct, and so I I should have mentioned. I guess I was trying to uh, be a little too evil against the Nuggets. He was a plus twenty. It was the highest on the team. Incredible. So back-to-back, highest plus-minus in the team. He might not be the best shooter in the draft. He might not even be better to... He might not even be... I can't say this. He might not even be the best rebounder in the draft. He might be the best defender in the draft. So because you have a good plus-minus, you're a good defender? Yes. I think we may be looking at lottery Andre Roberson here. With a better (laughs) shot. Kinda. Kinda, yeah. Because he's still Let's, shooting 32%. Yeah, I don't know what Roberson's probably from 12, three is. Probably 12%. But. All right, so then we move into the – it's a back-to-back with the Hawks. Another game. Let's check out that box score. They won this game 121-109, to played better overall. And Aaron Neesmith will check in with him at 19 and a half minutes in this Let game. Let it be known, he got hurt right at the beginning of the fourth yes. quarter. And the team went down the tube after he left. That is 1 million percent correct. Definitely not anything to do with Javante Green and his minus 9 overall. But Aaron E. Smith, so he clocks in at 19 minutes. 1 of 4 shooting, so not great. 1 of 3 from 3. Again, 
not really great, but from three, I mean, 33% is about average, I would say. Um, he pitched in four rebounds this time. I mean, this is pretty consistent numbers I mean, in the rebounds. this rebound. guy is getting to get his season stats up there, rebounds-wise. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, uh, two personal fouls, so, I mean, you know, he's playing hard, he's playing physical. He's a plus 10 overall. They you give know. you six, so you might as well use some. Yeah. You, you mean he left four out in the yeah, field. He should have right? been, been hacking they more. you six to use. So you might as well use it. I agree. I couldn't agree more. You know, you know, did a good job of using it. You know who you know, always does such a good job of using his fouls? Theus. Daniel Theus. What a stud. Except he likes to use that sixth foul uh, a few too many uh, We don't times. slander. We don't talk about that. No, I'd we love Daniel I'd rather someone use their Theus. sixth than to have no fouls at all. Yeah, one million percent. Literally in this game, Jalen Brown, no fouls. Loser. Soft. You know what that means when you get them doing foul? You're scared soft. of contact and you're soft. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. It's just, we don't make the rules. Yeah. So not a not a fantastic stat line for Aaron Eastman in this game, but the rebounding is there. The rebounding is definitely there. And like we said, he could be the best defender in the draft. I, I think it's pretty obvious that what's getting the best shooter in the draft on the court is his rebounding, which is what everyone saw coming. I mean, it, if you if you look at the stats, it makes sense. Right. Like, you're a, a stud shooter. Everybody's talking about your three-point game. How do you get yourself more minutes in an NBA game on an NBA team? Not on your shot. No. Nobody does, does that anymore. No, no. Those days are gone. The league is going defense now. We know that. Oh, you squat more down. than ever. You squat down. Defensive <laughs> position. Hands out. You're holding pies. Right? Just like they taught you when you were young? Slap the floor when slap you get on Slap the there. floor, yell defense. Yeah. Slide into the corners. You slap the floor and yell yeah, defense yeah, again. You yeah. go down the sideline. Yeah. That's Aaron Eastman. I agree, 100%. Let's round out the week here as the Celtics took on the New Orleans Pelicans and what we said was horrible. I mean, this game was horrible. But 26 minutes for Aaron Eastman in this game. So definitely the most minutes of the week, I believe. Uh, three of four shooting in this game. So his best shooting output? That is 75%. Quick math. That's unreal. I mean, is this guy like a center? The I'll shooting tell you this percentage. Too. He also had, I believe, because I think I've watched every minute he plays because he is absolute must-watch. Must-watch. on the court. Yes. He had his first career and one yesterday. And he made oh. the free throw, too. Yep, 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 yep. I believe you're right. Uh, speaking of free throws, he was 3 of 3 from the line. So oh, 100%. I mean... Un- Real. Three of three for an NBA player? Unheard of. Uh, so if you if you look at his field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage, you know how they line those numbers out next to each other? 75, 50, 100. Holy crap. That's unheard of in the NBA. That they say Who's done that? They say 40, 50, uh, 50 40, 90. Yeah. I raise you 75, 50, 100. Oh. What a steal the Celtics got with Facts. this guy. Facts. Who would rather have Sadiq Bey, Ugh. who won Eastern Conference Player of the Week? Not I. Who wants to Certainly win a weekly award? Not I. Yo, it's not about a week. It's no. about the entire season, and Aaron Neesmith will be the Eastern Conference Player of the Year. Yes. MVP. It, I Sadiq Bey will. I wish the NBA did baseball because they might give the MVP to LeBron because they feel bad for him in the West. Because if they had a West and East MVP, Neesmith would be a lock. Oh. 
you know, if you did, if you went into 2K and you just pressed normalize play minutes to sim minutes, I'm sure these stats would be off the charts. I mean, oh, he, he would have had like he would have had like 20 points in this game. His per 36 must he must be averaging like 11 points or something per 36. That's that's absurd. I mean, I don't think you could find anybody else in the league who's putting up those kind of stats. No, and I don't think you could find anyone in the league at 14 that can come right into the the NBA yeah. and shoot 32% from three. No. No way. No if, shot. If, if anybody listening thinks they could find somebody, send it in. Follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. Slide in the DMs and tell us. Yeah. Tell us. I don't think you could find anything. No. I don't I think mean, you could find What do you anything. think most rookies shoot from three? Good shooters? 20% maybe from three? Probably someone like that? Yeah, probably. 22%? 32%? I mean, that's that's like... We're, getting, we're closing on Steph Curry. Only got like 12 points to go to get to Steph Curry. Man, you just said Steph Curry out loud, and you know what? I just had an I just had an epiphany. I think you're right. And Neesmith I think we've been looking at him better, this whole time. Neesmith is definitely a better rebounder than Steph Curry, and so I think he's already going to. Well, guess what he did in this game? Another four rebounds. Wow, this is consistency. We love that. Yeah, I mean, this is what we talk about every week with this guy. It's always consistency. It's, it's all he needs. Yes. Two steals in this game again. Best defender in the draft. Hundred percent. It, it's easy. He's going to win deploy this year. And, and the, you know what the best part about this game was? Aaron Neesmith had five personal fouls. We love that. That is a sign of a physical, aggressive defender. Yes, sir. Who is not letting anybody get easy buckets no, on him? He's gonna. He's entitled to his airspace, and he, and you're gonna have to come take it from him. Yeah. Gotta prove your worth. Or he's gonna take your airspace from you. Yeah. And if you got biased refs, they might they might call foul. But Ma- we Mama, know those refs Mama Neesmith ain't raised no bitch. We know that. Yes, we do. Uh, unfortunately, finished a minus eight, but I would like to blame literally everybody yeah, else but him that he played with on the court. There's four other people on the court. So yeah. Obviously, when he's plus 20, it's all him. When yeah. he's minus eight, it's the rest of the four. 100%. I. I Ten points in this game. Uh, One shy of his career oh. high, eleven. So he's getting there. One I of these mean, times, God, God willing, he yes. may get to twelve. So here's here's what I'm thinking: If you're consistently scoring around your career high, you have to be lighting it up out oh, there. One hundred percent. I mean, just just think about it. Well, how many rookies can you find that can score double digits? In the draft. I mean, Tyler Hero, he only went for 40 in the playoffs last year against the Celtics. Neesmith is going for 10. That's incredible. But, yeah, like, (laughs) Neesmith consistently finishes just short of his career high every night. Tyler Hero is so short of his career high every time he steps on the court. That guy's trash. I don't want Tyler Hero on my team. I would would give give me Neesmith over just about anyone in the league. I, I I can't even think of any people I would want over Neesmith. The Martians pointing the death beam at Earth. Who you? Who do you want? Taking the shot, Steph Curry or Aaron Neesmith? Give me Neesmith. Yeah. Because you know yeah. what? Even if Neesmith misses, you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna get his rebound. We no. Know he's gonna get his rebound because he follows his yeah, shot. Steph Curry, he shoots and then he turns. He turns around. around and he's like, looks uh, at the camera. Doesn't even watch it go in. He shakes his it. shoulders like a little bitch. He's like, I'm Steph Curry. Neesmith will follow his shot and get a rebound. We know that. Because yeah. he's rebounding God. He stays to make sure that ball goes in. Like, yeah, you know, Steph Curry or Nick Young looking ass. No. No. This guy's a grinder. Yeah, he's he's going to be known. Once They say once you're known by one name, you've made it. Neesmith. 
That will be the name that's known soon. Put it in stone. The Celtics will build a statue of this guy outside TD Garden. Ryan, write that down. Write it down. No, producer DS, write write it down. Write it down. That's clip what you're it, here for. Clip it, DS. Yeah, clip it and ship it. Clip it and ship it. It's clipped. <laughs> Alright. I don't think I can I don't think I can take this anymore. We have to we have to end the segment. Yeah, I agree. Uh wow. That Probably was, our best segment yet. I think so. I think so. We might just cut the whole show and just keep that part. That's good stuff. Um, wow. Okay. So with that being said, it needed a, a second to catch my breath, but all right. um, I can go on to a player that's dog water now. All right. Yeah. So let let's talk about. I believe we're transitioning here to one, the one and only Kemba Walker. Yeah. DS. We know you're a Stan, UConn boy. Uh, you might want to cover your ears for this. Because your guy, Kemba oh, Walker, yeah. he's garbage. Absolute garbage. Maybe the worst contract in the league. I saw a stat that said uh, the Celtics and the Nets are the only two teams that have two, have three players averaging over 29% usage. Okay, The Nets obviously have Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, all three of those guys are averaging over 26 points per game, and they're shooting over 50% from the field and over at least 39% from three. The Celtics have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are each averaging right around 26 points a game. They're shooting a little bit less than the Nets because, let's face it, Tatum and Brown, maybe you might you can maybe make an argument that they're better than Kyrie Irving, maybe but it's close, you wouldn't take him over to Rand Harden. The difference is, is that the third member of Brooklyn's big three is probably Kyrie, and he he's averaging 20 on 50% shooting and 40% from the field. The Celtics' uh, third member of the big three, who's over 29% usage, is Kemba Walker, who is averaging 17 points per game on uh, 37% from the field and 35% from three-point land. And I might add that he's a point guard, and he's only averaging four assists to boot. Just for a guy that's averaging a basically 30% usage to have 17, 4, and 4 as his stats when shooting so dog water from the field, it loses you games, and it's why they are sub-500 since he's came back. He, once again, when he is not an elite, elite offensive weapon... Because he's always going to get exposed at the defensive end. He just has the size that no matter how hard he tries, you post him up, you're, you're going to get a bucket. When he's not averaging, you know, mid-20s, shooting well from three, shooting well from the field, he's a complete liability, and that's what he is right now. I don't care that he has one or two good games. I told you last week when we talked about him, the game that he had yesterday... For all the uh, 10 of 16, 5 of 8 from 3 games he had uh, against the Hawks on Friday is equal to the amount of 5 of 21, 1 of 12 from 3 that he had on national TV on Sunday. And this this is a theme of mine that I don't think it's athleticism. I don't think it's the shot. I think he really has borderline case of the yips. Because we go back to the Lakers game where he was dog water. What's the similarity to yesterday? ABC, national TV. 
it's incredible that I think a 30-year-old man who's been in the league for a decade is getting the yips because he's playing on national TV, but I think that might be the case. I'm trying to figure out a way to play devil's advocate or argue against it, but I, uh, I, I really can't. I mean, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a shock that they win in the game where Kemba shoots so well, and they lose in the game that Kemba shoots so poorly. You know, in Tatum is what ten of twenty four. Yeah, let's not act like uh, as as a Tatum stan. Known Tatum worshiper, I will I will obviously defend Tatum more than most, but let's not act like Tatum is shooting the world the world out of the ball. He's been he's been bad shooting the ball too. Yeah. But the difference between him and Kemba is that he still adds something on the defensive end, and he's been more of a playmaker than Kemba has been recently, and he still was he still is unreal, and I don't care what anyone says, he still has that clutch gene. You mm-hmm. saw it yesterday against New Orleans to send him to overtime. I still trust him with the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. As many times as he might disappoint me, I know that it's there. And he's still so young. Kemba is only going to get worse at this point in his career. And it's just... this He has two years left on his contract next year and then a player option, which, I mean, God willing, maybe he turns it down as Al Horford and Gordon Hayward did. But no one's giving... Kemba Walker, that Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, big contract after this one. If he's playing like he is now, and I don't see it getting any better. I, this team, they need to get rid of him. Will Mike's been on it for a month plus now. He's a hundred percent right. He's the X factor. This team will go as far as him, but it's not going far because it's just he's just not there. Oh, like like we said, if if you even want to look at it further, uh, with Kemba. They go as far as he takes you. Well, Kemba gets you a win here, a loss there, but it's very one 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 one. It's back and forth, and again that shows in their record, fifteen to fifteen. So, it's 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 sad that we have to come out here every week and kind of say the same old thing. Well, it's because he keeps going out and doing the same old thing, which is not being a the consistent player that he needs to be. Yeah. And he's, I, he's consistent in going back and forth, but he's not consistent in the, being the player he needs to be. The coach also who was raised up to like a godlike figure uh, a few years ago, people were writing articles like how many superstar players would you trade Brad Stevens for? Like would you trade Brad Stevens for Giannis like two or three years ago and it was like fifty fifty or something like that. He deserves criticism too because his rotations have been awful he gets out coached all the time going back to last year when he couldn't figure out a zone a middle school zone in the bubble ryan i'm happy you're on because you love to harp on brad stevens not being able to figure out a middle school zone that high schoolers figure figure out i don't but it's not brad stevens fault that kember walker has a degenerative knee is 511 and shot one at 12 from three yesterday I don't think there is a single player or coach or executive or whatever, anybody involved with the Boston Celtics organization, aside from maybe Jalen Brown, that has played better this year than in past years. Even Tatum hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Tatum's been better. 
as you don't a think playmaker. But playmaker, his yes. Shot hasn't Play, been as well yeah. as it was in the past. But I, I, I would agree I, with. Yeah, you. no, the playmaker playmaking ability, yes, hundred um, percent. And we, we, I shouldn't, you know, dismiss that so easily. But you said um, aside from Jalen Brown, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, do you disagree? Do you think somebody else has? Well, played? I mean, when we're talking about like actual real impact players, because Robert Williams has taken a step this year. Yeah. Okay, that's but, fair. And I, I was going to mention, the, while the guards haven't played well, the guys taking a lot of shots haven't played well, in the past week, Robin Williams and Tristan Thompson have been lights out, like super efficient, big rebounding numbers, uh, definitely a probably the biggest bright spot um, for the Celtics this past week. I, I, I just, with, in terms of Kemba... You you start to think think back to the Patriots with Cam Newton when he got COVID and he came back and he stunk up the joint. At what point did you think, as a Patriots fan, he should have figured it out by now? He's back to a hundred percent. This is no longer on COVID. This is on him just sucking. Uh, do you want an answer? If you want, I realize he was. He just didn't have it. Probably mm, the game that they lost, and this is going to sound kind of late, but it's the game they lost the Rams where they got the doors blown off of them. I think that was like week 12, week 13, somewhere in that range. Uh, Yeah, somewhere. Because I didn't think, like, they they didn't really have it. Then they beat the piss out of the Chargers. Hmm. And then people were like, oh, I think, you know, maybe. 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 It was actually week 14. I remember it exactly because I should have yeah, played Cam. I thought it was a little late in the season, but I feel like I know where you're going, and this is like a similar situation that I feel like people are defending him, defending him, defending him because of what he was in the past. And yeah, he just, he just so got it. so in in so I guess what I'm getting here at is Cam got COVID after week three. If that's week fourteen, that's eleven games ish, ten eleven games. Bye week was probably in there, so we'll call it nine or ten. Um, but that's also roughly two and a half months. So depending on how you want to look at it, whether length of time or amount of games played. If you look at it by games played, Kemba's played what fifteen games or so uh, since coming back from his off-season knee surgery. Uh, by all means, he should have figured it out by now. If you are a superstar player and you are being paid like a superstar player a max contract you should be talented enough to get out of a rust out of a rut whether whether it because it was an injury or just a, a slow start to your season whatever you should be able to figure it out after a dozen games or so um i i know that's putting a, a finite number on it that can be higher or lower but he's 15 games in which is roughly month, month and a half into the season. I believe he played uh, mid-January was his first game against, against yes, the January 15th, the game that they uh, played against the Knicks, and they yeah. lost by 30. Uh, so he's ironically, been... not ironically, actually, at all. Yeah, so he's been back for five weeks. If, if you're a superstar player, you should have figured it out by now. And the fact that he's only shown a a glimpse or two, a glimmer of two, of hope, 
that he it's still in there, that that superstar talent is still in there. That that's concerning, because you know you're not when you when you have Kemba Walker, you're not you're not gonna get it on the defensive end. You're hoping that he's passable on defense. You're expecting him to be a stud on the offensive end, and for him to be as inefficient yet still taking the amount of shots that a superstar takes is not a formula for success for this team or any team. Uh, If you think that he just needs, and I know this is a popular phrase on this podcast, but if you think he just needs more time, then, yeah, give him another month or so and see if it's still an issue at that point. So... Depending on how what angle you want to take here, you could say he's trash, he's got to go, I've seen enough. And honestly, five weeks in, I can't tell you you're wrong. But if you still want to play the devil's advocate and say, I still think he's got it in him, it's just something isn't clicking for him, whatever, you, you want to defend him, I think you still have a case to do that. But the time is... That time, it's ticking, it's running out. If he doesn't get going in the next few weeks, uh, you wanna, you might honestly want to start thinking about using that trade exception. Not on a wing player, but on another guard. And I know that is really tough to say because you have plenty of guards. But man, if Kemba ain't it, and I know it'd be, it's impossible to just limit his minutes or even take him out of the starting lineup but you might want to think about getting somebody else just package some of those guards together for one guard you you know what's too bad about that take ryan about trading kemba walker is that you have a gm who's scared to make trades now if he doesn't pants the other team yeah and there's no way you can dump kemba walker's salary and Mm-hmm. come out a humongous winner. It just so, doesn't it just doesn't happen. So speaking of Which that is, man, I don't see it happening. Speaking of that man, uh what did you guys think of Danny Ainge's comments the other day where he basically just said that the Celtics roster is trash? Well, I mean, what else is he supposed to say? It's his fault. Who mm-hmm. is he looking in the mirror when he says that? I mean, him and his... My roster sucks. Him and his team of assistant GMs like Mike uh, Zarin and I don't know whoever whoever else they have in that organization. Way overvalued, as I've said before, these draft picks. And maybe Neesmith might be on track to shut me up, but that still doesn't exclude Romeo Langford not playing one minute this year of, of basketball, who is basically made of glass, it seems like, and can't get on the court. I hated that draft. It pick, doesn't by the way. it doesn't save them from drafting Grant Williams who now we know is awful and hasn't is the new Aaron Neesmith, who doesn't get on the court now, <laughs> drafting Carson Edwards and Jermont Waters instead of just moving those picks for something. They're second-round picks. I mean, I know they're not worth much, but awful. I, Swings and misses on Edwards. I know they wanted him to be a spark plug off the bench, but the dude's awful. I think I legitimately think Danny Ainge saw Isaiah Thomas it was like, man, I want to recreate that. Yeah. Carson Edwards. It. <laughs> Tremont Waters. <laughs> like all these picks that he had, that he could have moved for legit, established players, that he didn't. Biting them in the ass. Then. Doesn't it, like this roster is his creation, and you have to hit 
If you're going to hold the pick, as I've said before, you have to hit. Because I don't care if the pick turns out, you send it to someone and it turns out to be a good player that you wish, you know, you wish he held on to the pick. Because at least when you trade the pick, you're getting an established, real player that's proven to be good in the NBA at one point. When you hold the pick and you draft Romeo Langford, who's made a glass, that's an F. F. F, F, F. You draft Carson Edwards at the beginning of the second round, I don't care it's a second-round pick. Semi Ojale is a second-round pick. He's serviceable. He has a role. Carson Edwards is an F. Let's, let's, not, let's not joke about Carson Edwards because he gets hot every once every 20 games, and he was good in the tournament in college. He blows. He doesn't belong in the NBA. Just Danny Ainge has really struggled, and the way he blew that Indiana potential Miles Turner and Doug McDermott for Gordon Hayward trade before Hayward signed with Charlotte because they came out of the dark because he wanted to get more. They wanted to get Oladipo or whatever from Indiana. It's just so peak Danny Ainge. Got to pants the opposition. Can't, as I've said before, can't, can't make a trade where he gets a C and the other team gets a B. He has to get an A and the other team has to get an F. And it's just, it's gone too far. And this is the result. So, um, Marcus Smart, they're going to have to really go on a run when he gets back after the All-Star breaks. It's reported that he's probably not going to be expected back until any time uh, after the All-Star break. So I think uh, while it might not be as, I don't know what the length of the All-Star break is, but... uh, The 5th to the 10th? Yeah, is it shorter this year than normal or no? It's roughly the same, maybe a day or two shorter on on the, each end. Regardless, they're they're gonna have to do some uh, some work over that break and really start to think about the direction of the franchise of the at least for this season. And they're gonna have to really go on a run in this second half if they want to end up finishing at the top of the conference by the end of the season. And hopefully Marcus Bar- Marcus Mark can maybe bring back some intensity for you. Hold on, time out. Did you say possibly finishing at the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference? Well, not the top top. I'm not talking about the one seed, but okay. like the top half. Because I was going to say, even though they're only like four and a half games back of first place in the Eastern Conference, it feels like they are miles away. From being anywhere near the top. Well, that's what happens when you're 500. You know. I'll yeah. tell you a stat I heard today. But now, even even but even at 500, they're only four and a half games back of the top of the standings, and yeah. they're in sixth. Yes, but in the same breath. That's false hope. In the same breath. Yeah. The entire Western Conference playoff teams With, are all ahead of this, the Celtics. Okay, yeah. the Celtics have 15 losses, and now this isn't apples apples. Mm-hmm. 15 losses. The Wizards have 17 losses. The Wizards would have the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft right now. You are two out of the loss column of the fourth overall pick. And honestly, if this team is as crazy as it sounds because you have two young guys in Tatum and Brown that this team should be ascending, they should be a playoff team for a decade to come if you lose a couple more of these games against middling teams and you're something like 17 and 20 or 18 and 22 or something like that and these other teams around you 
get a little bit better and you're still, you know, a game or two back, if you lost a few more games, you'd have the, the fourth overall pick. I really think it has to go through the head to blow it up in the fact of not trading Brown and Tatum, but maybe sitting Brown because he got his tendonitis in his knees, dumping Kemba, and as crazy as it sounds, I mean, if you have the opportunity to tank because you are convinced you don't, you're not going to win a championship, I think you might really have to think about it. Dude, yeah, the Warriors because did it last year. To start year. trading everybody, honestly. Well, yeah. yeah. Anybody that you can get the semblance, even if it's a late first rounder for, like, Theus, I mean, go for you it. try to rebuild on the fly, a la Spurs with Tim Duncan when they had, um, oh, shoot, what's his name? The other, the other, David Robinson, and he got hurt, and they benched him, and then they ended up getting Tim Duncan. And then the next year they won a championship. I, I mean, you don't even have to look back that far. Yeah. Just look to last year with yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, I mean the case is a little bit different because I would yeah. I would like the Celtics to be the Spurs and then win a championship <laughs> next year. <laughs> but I, this is a unique opportunity in a a weird season where it seems like everyone is middling. That all you have to do is win five straight and you're back at the top, or lose five straight and you're at the bottom basically. And the way this team's going. I think that it might be better for them to... It's more realistic for them to lose five straight than win five straight. The way they're playing now. I look... I mean, you look at what Danny Ainge has done with the roster, and it's almost like he's playing 2K association mode in real life. He All he did was acquire a bunch of lottery picks, and he kept them. Instead of trading them for a superstar, he kept them. So now his roster is full of prospects, young players, and he's waiting for them to develop. The problem is he didn't find the A potential players. He found a bunch of middling, B minus, B potential players that aren't really growing all that much. And now he's stuck with two superstars and a guy that he signed in free agency that's just not hitting. And all the rest of the guys, for the most part, aren't doing much at all. To help you. Your two studs. And that's a problem. That That's just... This is just a class act example of bringing a video game simulation mode of G, playing GM into real life and seeing how trying to play completely through the draft can backfire. Yeah. Alright, so... Be- right before I... We're getting a little... Yeah, I was just going to say, let's time. wrap this up. Uh, last week I had... Uh, I used my heater in the car. Um, reference on the seats to put the heat on Stevens and oh uh, yes yes Danny Ainge. Yeah, I was so confused for a second. I had uh, Brad Stevens on a one going up to two, and I had an Ainge on a three heading up to four. Uh, they have officially reached. Uh, Brad Stevens is is at two, getting close at three, and Ainge is at four, uh, nearing five. I think I think it's three and four. I I got Stevens at three and Ainge at four. I I would say Brad Stevens is closer to relative to three than Danny Ainge is to five. Yeah, because I mean, like, it, it, hot. I feel like hot seat discussion is usually around like between three and five. Yeah, like the very beginning is probably three, and then. But we, I mean, we've been talking about Ainge even before we were talking about Brad so much, yeah, and now I mean, we're talking about both. Of them, Brad so has like, to adjust. He's been bad this year, but 
it's not his fault that when he looks at his bench, he sees Javante Green, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Aaron E. Smith for the first month, uh, Romeo Langford, who can't get out there, Tremont Waters, a clown, uh, like a meme show, and Tremont Waters, Taco Fall. Like these guys, it's just a lot of guys that don't, they're not even one dimensional players. They don't have not even one role thing players. that they do they're well. They're not even role players. Yeah. They're scrubs. Yeah. They're European players. All right, so let's, let's look ahead as we yeah. wrap up this edition of the Cool Zone. So as we do every week, we look ahead to the next games and we just try and tell you what we think needs to happen, especially it's more important right now given that the Celtics are in dire straits sitting at 500 right now. So we've got the Mavericks on Tuesday in Dallas and then they go to Atlanta at the back-to-back. They play that one on Wednesday. And then they have a day off Thursday. They play Friday against Indiana. That is a home game. And then on Sunday, another Sunday game, but it's not a Sunday afternoon game. It is a Sunday night game, and they play the Wizards. So, Jonathan, I guess I'll start with you. In your opinion, of course, what do you need to see here? Well, last week um, I said it was okay if they went 3-1. and one. I would hope for 4-0, but 3-1 and one are the worst. They went 2-2, two and two, which is awful. So the, no more excuses. 4-0. 4-0 or bust. You're playing the only team above 500 is Indiana, who isn't really that good. Uh, they trade away Victor Oladipo, so they're Victor Oladipo less now. Karis Levert's out. You're playing them at home. Mavericks are below 500. They're playing tonight, so you have them on a second night of a back-to-back. The Wizards are awful, even though you lost to them. And the Hawks. And the Hawks are also awful, even though you lost to them. <laughs> so, 4-0. 4-0 or bust. You know, this team, as I said, they go 2-2. Two and two. If they go one and three during this stretch, or God forbid four and zero oh and four, which might might be the best thing for them, because then they can go straight into the lottery. But four and zero, oh, four and zero oh or bust. Yeah, I feel like it's either four and zero oh or zero oh and four. The time for going three and one and two and two, especially is, two is two. over. It's yeah. over. Ryan, I mean, I'm not. I agree. You need to see wins and only wins, but you need to see Kemba wake the fuck up. And be the stud, the max contract player that he's being paid to be. Hey, come on, numbers here, numbers here. What do you, uh, what do you got? We know, we, we know, we got to see Kemba play better. But what do you need to see? Wins and losses here, man. I already told you four. Okay, well, I didn't. It was, you? wasn't very confident. I, I, I'm, I'm on the four train. I've been <laughs> on the four train. I started the four train. Yo, produce, producer DS, are you there still? Uh, it does not look sleep like producer the, DS is here. Ah oh, man, I was really hoping I'd catch up before he walked away from his uh, from his little producer corner, but I'm sure he would probably have the same sentiment. Although I wouldn't be surprised if producer Diaz said he'll be fine with three and one. He but. probably ran away when he heard the Kemba slander. <laughs> <laughs> probably. All right. So unless anybody has any last thoughts, I think it is safe to say we put in some good work and we can wrap up this edition of the Cool Zone. So. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. Follow us, slide in the DMs, of course. Let us know what you want to hear besides what we already have prepared each and every week. Follow our other podcast. We're talking about fixing to talk sports with our very own Ryan Brown sitting in studio for the week. And also, we have Foxborough Files if they ever come back to life. You know, we'll have to wait again. Wait and see on that one. This will be five episodes of the Cool Zone now, as we said at the beginning of the show. And shout out to producer DS for pretty much just being there for company tonight and uh, not being at his position right now. Um, But with that being said, 
hopefully, and we've been saying this for weeks, but hopefully Celtics start to turn things around and things go in the right direction. And we'll be back here next Monday night to tell you all about it. DS, time to hit the music, kid. Go Duke! Fuck Duke.